Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to a new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which side today have Paul, Paul Brenner, who is the SVP of Retail and Media at uh, Vibenomics. Um, and we're going to talk about retail today. So a specific topic, um, especially when you take Amazon into account, which is show, well, which is basically bringing a lot of new stuff to the to the table, etc. For retailers, so it's 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 quite a challenging world, I can imagine. And Paul is going to share everything on this today. So, Paul, welcome to the show, and could you pl- please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for having me, Lies. Um, yeah, you mentioned my name, Paul Brenner. Um, I work for Vibonomics, which is owned by Mood Media, uh, that a lot of your global uh, listeners might know, uh, as an in-store kind of on-premise company um, globally. Um, and my my role is to really interact with the retail media networks, um, you know, explore their strategy for um, expanding their in-store audio, their in-store screen technologies um, to drive uh, net new revenue for the retail media networks, um, while also absolutely providing uh, a customer experience for their shoppers that that makes that better for them. Um, so it's it's kind of a, uh, an ongoing journey, but uh, that's what I do every day. Interesting. And um, since we're going to talk about retail today, and you're you're an expert in that field, um, I think one of the key questions that I have to start off with is what what are some of the key challenges that retailers face nowadays? Because you talk to them a lot, you you, you your customers are retailers. What are what are the key challenges they're facing? Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a, a transition period from, I guess, what retailers as a merchant have always enjoyed, which is you know, a static screen uh, or a static display, you know, printable items. It was always outsourced. It was a, a very secure form of, of revenue through, you know, shopper marketing or trade. And then, you know, that that was a, that's been a pretty hefty revenue uh, line for them. And then, you know, you, you kind of move into retail media, which launched as on-site, right? Websites and, and loyalty apps, et cetera, uh, expanded a bit into off-site, uh, for audience extension, um, and now they've come back around to in-store. So the challenges that they face are are kind of how to reach back across uh, onto the merchant side, operationalizing a digital transition. It, it's challenging, right? You've, you've mm-hmm. got this physical world that you have to have capital to to pay for it. You have to engineer solutions, um, and so I think you know what what the challenge people are looking for the right way. To make this transition, both both from a revenue shift, but also from maybe decluttering the static signage of a store and moving that into uh, more of an elegant, you know, digital engaging solution. So yeah. they're big goals. You know, I think that's the challenge. They're, they're expensive, uh, and and it's a shift in thinking. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, well. Let me let me go back a little while when when I think Amazon started back in '93, right? And is a is wasn't a big player then, but one of the advantages that they always were claiming 
they had over time was they didn't have physical footprint. They didn't have outlets. They had a huge assortment of, of well, starting with books and, and CDs then, but now, now they have everything, right? So um, one of the key advantages that they always made clear was that they didn't have physical footprint or outlets. Um, whereas I get the feeling that retailers start to see that as a benefit now, the, the actually having that oh, footprint. Yeah. Is, is that, is that, is, has yeah. that changed? Yeah, I, I would say the uh, momentum that I'm seeing over the last 12 months, even the last six months, is palpable. It, it's, um, you know, you look at Amazon and, and kind of retail media as a as a market, um, you know, probably two years ago, they were at least maybe 70% of that, right, is what they were getting because of the reasons you described. Um, you know, the, the, the market's grown to, let's say, maybe 60 billion by the end of this year. Um, their Amazon share will have shrunk to probably 40, 45%. Um, and it's because the retail media network operators, you know, the, the large grocers and such, you know, they have a lot more influence on suppliers and, and, and brands because the people are in the stores. Um, we always, you know, I, I used to say it all the time to, to, to retailers, you know, why are you ignoring the amount of people in your store? And then, you know, lo and behold, a year and a year later, you know, you start seeing these stats of, well, you know, 100% of the retail media dollars going into digital commerce, yet 90% of the purchasing is actually occurring in the physical store. Mm -hmm. So that seems out of balance, right? <laughs> like, how do you, it how is do you out justify? of balance. <laughs> how do you, how do you justify that? And suddenly the brand started to speak up and that was reflected in the, the latest IAB retail media buyer's guide, right? That, the brand started saying, wait a minute, all this money is going into e-commerce and digital, yet, you know, all of these people are in a store where the product is and, you know, I can influence them through better engagement, uh, you know, of digital assets within the in-store. So it, it's really, it's shifted just in the last year um, and now it's becoming more public and, and you'll see a lot more work with the IAB and some others kind of in, into the rest of this year um, to, to figure out how they take advantage of that Um that strategic position over Amazon, having no stores. Could you, could you share some of, of the examples that you've seen happening over the past year? Because you you, you mentioned that, well, the past year is it's it has made a big difference. You're seeing some changes there. So could you elaborate a little on that and, and give some examples of stuff that you've seen happen? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we've been primarily an audio company, programmatic audio company in store for a while, um, you know, and, and we always kind of were an outsider. We were we were being, you know, we were part of retail media networks, maybe like a, a ring out from the center, right, of what they offer from on-site and off-site. Um, so what I've seen happening is some of our retails, especially on the grocery side, are starting to bring a lot of that thinking in-house. Um, and offering in-store digital as part of the JBP process. So as they're, uh, you know, negotiating with that brand about stuff being in-store, they're now saying in-store is a way you can use your money, right? And, and mm -hmm. credit. So that's the business shift. And so what that's doing is causing grocers and, and um, other retailers we work with, multiple verticals, to start thinking about, okay, where do I put digital signage? How do I make it more effective, right? Lots of piloting in adult beverage aisles and deli aisles. I mean, you've seen the cooler screens, guys. Um, I just, I, I've seen audio be the way that 
that the retail media networks are now saying, wait a minute, this is a way I can communicate, you know, programmatically down to the shopper. And then now, okay, let me talk about signage and let me think about um, not like over, you know, overdoing it, right? Like nobody's thinking about a Vegas style, you know, grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're looking at very specific areas where, you know, pharmacy screens, you know, um, a lot of piloting in that area because it, it could be so effective for, for pharma dollars um, or OTC dollars. Um, so it's just, it's been kind of pilot specific at this point, but they're all thinking about how do I accelerate this? Everybody I work with is trying to figure out how to accelerate bringing in store within the retail media uh, business that they, they sell today. Cool. One of the examples that I've recently seen in, in Europe, um, and I don't know if that's available in the U S yet. So, so you, you probably know, but, um, stuff that I've seen happening at gas stations um, is using the screens, programmatically, the screens that are at the pump. So basically when you're when you're getting your gas, there's a screen outside um, and those are sold, the ads on that are sold programmatically um, mm-hmm. based on the actual license plate numbers. And those license okay. plate numbers tell a lot about the people that are actually coming in. It could tell you whether it's a van or or just a, an ordinary car. Um, it tells mm-hmm. you if it, it's an EV or, or traditional gas car. So it could show you, well, the things that I've seen is is um, when they when they see um, a van is uh, coming in, they're showing ads for, uh, well, recruitment ads for, for, for blue-collar working jobs. So that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is what we've seen and it has happened. And that's so amazing. And you could, you could think the same for, for EVs, right? People that drive an EV when they're getting it, well, they're not getting gas at the pump, but they're, they're getting some electricity and, um, but you could, could sell them any, any, anything yeah. like wall mounters or, you know, what kind of audience that is. Right. So um, yeah. that's, and, and we've seen it specifically working good, very well with, uh, with recruitment. Um, you know what kind of people are coming in. I don't know if that's available in the U.S. I know a lot of data is available, of course, through Experian or yeah. whatsoever. But um, yeah, that, that all that kind of surprises me, given the privacy uh, restrictions of Europe. That's yeah, a, that's I, a, a wild one, really. Um, absolutely. Yeah, you know, gas station TV is a dominant uh, screen provider in the U.S. It's sixty thousand, I think, or something. Um, you know, I know they do a lot of programmatic work. I, I talk to them. Uh, every once in a while just to share ideas and um, you know they're, they're all doing those kind of advanced things um, you know there there's definitely things like cooler screens in uh, in the U.S. that have really advanced uh, you know uh, video technology for uh, you know f- customer facing information we, we we don't say facial recognition here because it's a little taboo it's more like presence mm-hmm. um, you know using that presence to change the screen uh, so to speak but also um, kind of logistically and supply chain benefit, you know, what's in the cooler? Is it low stock? Uh, can you can you send a an alert to operations, you know, that 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 things are are not available that are being marketed within the cooler? Um, you know, so it kind of fo- faces both ways. Those are some advanced things. I think, uh, you know, there, there's folks definitely trying things with how to engage, you know, through kiosk or ordering, which then presents things. Um, a lot of loyalty card uh, information being tied back to what's being used in the store. Um, you know, not to the level where anybody's going to say, you know, it's one-to-one first party, 
like like a smartphone, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to say that, but it's kind of a what we say in in our industry is one to many uh, audience, one to one measurement. Mm, um, yeah. So you know, so we can we can look at what a retailer does because of retail media. We can use audio targeting by demographics so on and so forth. Hour of a day, we can we can put content on a screen that is specific to possibly a gender. Um, but at the end of the day, we can tie all of that back to point of sale transactions. And does it change the the sale in the store? Does it impact uh, you know the digital shelf post fourteen days? Does it increase search within the site? So um, I, that's what I would say is one to many media, you know, one to one measurement and. Ooh. That's that's really where we are today with it. Love it, love it, and I think this is uh, it's, it's like an old unknown world for a lot of listeners that are digital marketers that think you know we can do this this kind of cool stuff, uh, segmenting, measuring, real time measuring, uh, attribution, etc. In online campaigns like a a Meta campaign or a, a LinkedIn campaign or a Google Ads campaign, but what you're saying here is that all this this well, segmenting and targeting can actually be done on site as well in the on the physical location of a, of a retailer, which I think is very cool. And I, I would like you to elaborate a little more on what you just hinted on, because you, you basically said, well, we, we can measure transactions. So that means you can actually prove ROI on this. So how does this technically work? Yeah, I mean, I think the key is the first thing is the targeting you said, right? Um, where you know we we can build uh, audience segmentation based on demographic data we have, uh, you know, through different partnerships, and you know that could be you know indexing on household income or 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 maybe you know maybe Hispanic speaking audience heavy, um, you know, uh, just kind of your general uh, you know audience segments, but we do have the ability to to do that um and and it's common right we 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 could run one campaign in multiple versions and multiple stores all targeted programmatically so because of the way at least our technology works is the language i speak the way i target the way i serve impressions the way i calculate impressions it's a lot easier for me than to partner with a you know like a um say a, a retail media platform example microsoft promote iq mm -hmm. um we're now speaking the same language right even though they're one-to-one -one and i'm one to many or one screen whatever we're all using impression values we're all looking at you know time stamping um you know audience matching um that allows us then to build these omni-channel lift studies right so if we're all looking at the same type of data and delivering it programmatically with an outcome of, hey, here's the audience we reached, here's the impression per store, uh, you know, so on and so forth, we can then compare that to um, the point of sale data that's com a combination of the e-commerce um, point of sale data and the in-store transaction data to say, if we build these programs correctly, Right. If it's if it's a media plan that from the very beginning includes here's my 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 product listing, here's my sponsorship right on my on my website. Here's the way I'm doing audience extension. But by the way, here's the complementary creative and targeting for in store that kind of brings that full circle. Love it. And what, what we find is that that has a big, big impact 
when you combine those things the right way, it has a really big impact on household uh, household spending. So, um, you know, so it, it, we've done new product distribution things where we'll say, oh, hey, we're launching a new chocolate flavor. And it's only in these 500 stores specifically in this period of time. And so we build targeting segmentation around just those brands um, and those locations. Um, that has some effect. Um, but what we see is the more holistic view of how you think about omnichannel across on-site, in-store, and off-site can have a pretty significant impact uh, on that, that same household spending. Um, we've seen as high as like a 2% increase in household penetration, which is massive, um, you know, for, for folks that are looking for the, you know, the long-term value uh, mm -hmm. of that investment, right? Let's say you, let's say you put a hundred thousand dollars in a, in a store media campaign and it gets you 2%, that could be worth, you know, millions of dollars in, in long-term benefit. Absolutely. Um, you know, by getting that household. So we're going to be releasing some some uh, case studies here in the next uh, month or so um, that are pretty exciting for us because we've got brands and platforms and retail media companies all looking to answer the same question. Right. Does it have an impact? Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to try and prove it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Paul, I could talk with you for hours on this subject, but we're almost through our time. Um, I'm going to. Uh, refer people to uh, Vibonomics website uh, to take notice of these uh, case studies that you're going to bring out. So in the show notes, I'll include a, a link to your website. Um, I'll also include a link to your LinkedIn profile. So listeners that sure. want to connect to you and reach out and want to know more about the cool stuff that you're doing, um, or maybe want to talk about ideas that they have or campaigns. That oh, absolutely. Run. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we work with folks globally, like I, I, you know, Tesco or Sainsbury folks like that, where, you know, I'm always looking for people to share information. I'm super involved with the IB's in-store efforts. Uh, for retail media and, and that just requires a lot of people to talk and share information so absolutely anyone that wants to have a chat about this i love talking about it so it's, it's fun cool. paul, paul brenner uh, i'd like to thank you very much for being on the marketing technology podcast thank you very much thank you for having me elias thanks for listening to this episode of the marketing technology podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.